G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. The Reverend Dr. Edgar Mayer, who's a Lutheran pastor based in Toowoomba in Queensland. Hello, Edgar. Welcome along to 2020. How are you? I'm very well. Edgar, it was just a week or three ago, and I can't remember the exact date, but some of our listeners will remember hearing uh, your presence on a forum that uh, I had the privilege of hosting at the recent Easter Fest, and we were talking about uh, miracles and healings and uh, and actually discussing, you know, uh, sometimes people don't get healed. What's the reason for that? And we won't get into that today unless there are particular questions that are coming from listeners. Yeah. But let me just ask you, Edgar, as we get into a topic of conversation today, you've got a new book which is currently at the printers. It's called Surprised by Miracles. Yeah. Uh, let me just say, uh, as, I, as I introduce you, that uh, in the Lutheran Church, not everybody in the Lutheran Church thinks what you're doing is a wonderful thing. Uh, and there is a renewal that's going on within the Lutheran movement, which is quite significant. You'd better tell us how you got to be uh, in the position where you're actually defending and even operating your Jesus tent and seeing miracles and healings happening on a regular basis. Where did all this start, Edgar? Uh, that, that's a good question. Um, maybe I start with my own background. So, you know, you can hear from my voice, I wasn't born in Australia, I was born and raised in Germany, came out when I was 20 years old, and my background is very traditional, liturgical, Lutheran. Um, When I was growing up, I had no charismatic or Pentecostal exposure at all. I don't think I've ever met anyone that spoke in tongues or did anything like that. And uh, when I started ministry after quite a few years of study in Toowoomba, so I didn't have any charismatic leanings or interests. Um, I thought, you know, we were going okay. I was in a good church, Bible-believing, and, you know, Lutheran is a very strong, um, uh, it's a big denomination worldwide. But I got hungry in the ministry. You know, I, I did what, you know, how we used to do ministry and, but I didn't have any converts, and I was losing young families, and I was just hungry. I, you know, I, I remember saying to God, God, if that's all there is to ministry, I don't want it. You can have it back. I'm way too young just to keep going and preaching and doing all of that and just having no outcome. And so we were hungry, and then out of that hunger, we birthed a, a contemporary worship service, so, you know, with bands and stuff. And then so we opened up, and... Then God came in with just experiences of the Holy Spirit that did, we didn't even look for. But he, he just dropped it in our lap or in my lap, and then it's basically, you've got to deal with it. And so, you know, for instance, just one instance, um, I received the gift of speaking in tongues without me ever wanting it. And it just came in a prayer meeting with other ministers. It wasn't even a charismatic prayer meeting. And so... 
I thought, you know, there were some other words that wanted to come out of my mouth. I opened my mouth. These words came out. They were neither German or English or anything I understood. And I thought, man, what is that? And um, I guess I concluded it's the gift of speaking in tongues. And then when that happens to you, when God is doing something like that uh, in your face, it's just happening, and you know it's God, then you've got a choice to make. You know, either I change my thinking or my attitude, or I'm just going to fight it. And I recognized it was God, and I thought I, I better come on board. Edgar, let me just, uh, something I was reading about your past. Uh, yeah. You'd studied for nine years. Uh, yeah. You'd achieved these various levels, uh, degrees. You have a doctorate. Yeah. And, uh, and you felt as prepared as anyone would be to be able yeah. to preach a, uh, a great uh, expository sermon uh, in the way that, uh, in the best traditions of yeah. preaching those sermons. But yeah. you, were, you were conscious that that was not enough. It, yeah, not initially. You know, in, in my upbringing and training, seminary training, I mean, every, all we've ever been tested on was how sound our preaching was. No one ever asked whether we preach with, you know, the fullness or authority of the Holy Spirit. I never looked for that. But then um, I guess when God made us rediscover the Holy Spirit, then I noticed that in the Bible there's a very clear insistence that the Word and the Spirit always got to go together. And that you can't just preach a sound sermon and automatically um, expect that, you know, the authority of the Spirit or the power of the Spirit is behind those words. And probably the most, uh, in the Bible, the most telling example of that is that when the risen Jesus um, talked to his disciples and opened their minds and, you know, who he was and, you know, they could understand everything about the scriptures, about Jesus. So they would have been in a position to preach a sound sermon. And, uh, but Jesus told them, no, you will be my witnesses, but not yet. You wait in Jerusalem until you're filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit. And only then you go and preach. Because only with the Spirit on you, it actually has power when you preach. So I never made that connection. Mm. And, you know, that is very humbling, can I say that? After, you know, eight and a half years of full-time study and writing all these papers, suddenly you, you're going back to the basics and you think, how, how could I have missed that? How, how come I've never seen that? Edgar, enlarge for us which particular scriptures, and uh, I think you make reference to the writings of the Apostle Paul, uh, yeah. what sort of, which scriptures are outstanding for you when you talk about having gone through this transformation and, uh, and now being open to uh, the idea of these miracles and signs and wonders? Yeah. Yeah, there's one scripture in particular it's almost like, you know, a head, it's become a heading over my life. Um, we, we had in 2003, we had an unexpected guest preacher, Lutheran, for, from the States, but he's actually from Ethiopia. And, you know, we thought it was just going to be a normal service, uh, but it wasn't. Um, the presence of God was just so intense in that service. But uh, what happened there was that maybe two-thirds of all those that attended, traditional Lutherans came forward for prayer, which was not really a usual thing we do. They came forward for prayer, and I think two-thirds of those ended up on the floor. Somehow, by the power of the Spirit, they ended up, you know, they couldn't stand up, they lost balance, they ended up on the floor. And to me, 
you know, that was a completely foreign and alien experience. Um, you know, charismatics may say, you know, slain in the spirit or whatever, but it never happened anywhere where I was. And suddenly I was catching my own members. Um, for all of us, this was new, but we knew it was God. We, we, we knew Jesus was preached and, you know, we couldn't quite understand what was happening. So I went home and I said to God, God, you can do anything you know, you're God in the church, but you better show, show it to me in the Bible. Where is that? Uh, I need, you need to confirm it from the Bible. And then within a very short uh, time frame, he took me to 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. And I was absolutely surprised reading that passage again because it, it's a favorite one of Lutherans. You know, it's one that I've really well known because um, Paul writes there, you know, when I was with you, the Corinthians, I resolved to preach nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So the message is squarely on Jesus and the cross. But then he continues that he's saying, my message didn't come with wise and persuasive words, but it came with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. And all of a sudden, I saw what was actually there. I said, okay, not wise and persuasive words. No one is going to be talked into anything by logic or soundness. It's actually backed up by a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And I guess I scratched my head and I understood what God was saying. I, okay, maybe falling down, the Holy Spirit making you fall down under His power, that is a demonstration of the Spirit's, Spirit's power. Maybe not one we were looking for, but yeah, okay, I can handle that. Um, the Bible verse seems to explain that, and I was at peace. So then, Edgar, you founded the Jesus Tent. Uh, tell us about the Jesus Tent. Oh, okay, so um, I got to fill in just a few blanks. So with that verse, we lived with that. I lived with that verse maybe for ten years, um, and then 2012, our evangelist, um, uh, I guess, had a burnout. Um, rang me, said he couldn't come back from holiday. He was just depleted. Um, so I thought, okay, that's fine. But what else, what does God want us to do in mission work? You know, so if he's not there. And, uh, you know, there were a few, um, few ideas, but they didn't come to anything. And then I asked God, God, what is there in terms of mission work that is us, you know, that comes out of the history that you had with us? What is logical for us? And then I came back to 1 Corinthians 2, those verses, and suddenly it dawned on me that in these verses, God, uh, Paul was summarizing his mission endeavor. It was actually a sum summary of his mission technique. Preach Jesus Christ and crucified, not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. And there's a parallel in Romans 15 where he summarizes his entire ministry that we read about in, in the New Testament. And Paul says, you know, I've preached the gospel to you. I brought the Gentiles to the obedience of God by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. I fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. So signs and wonders. And I was scratching my head and I thought, man, does that still work? Can you just preach a simple gospel message about Jesus and Him crucified and then trust God that He's going to back it up with an experience or a demonstration of the Spirit's power, signs and wonders, that the unbelievers come into an experience that they see, hey, God is backing up what is preached, and then 
you know, are encouraged to have faith. Edgar, we'll get on to that Jesus tent again in just a few moments. Encouragement okay. to listeners to be part of our conversation today. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. if you'd like to join in the conversation. You might have a question. You might have a comment. You might like to reflect on the risk that's associated with venturing into the activities that the apostles did in the early church, expecting supernatural signs and wonders and miracles to happen. And you might also, if you're coming from an alternative perspective, what are the objections? How do people try to explain away the miracles? Well, our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Val in Mackay. Hello, Val. Welcome along to 2020. Hi, it's Val here. Yes, Val. What are your thoughts um, just, on our discussion today? Well, just thinking about what your speaker just said, the Bible says that the apostles went out and preached the word and God confirmed the word with signs following. And uh, so what you said is, is just what the apostles did. They preached the word and, and God confirmed it with the signs following. Um, 1 John 3, 8 says that Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And if we believe that God created a, a perfect creation, there was no sickness or any of those things that have come upon the earth since then. And so Jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And I believe that he's, he gave the Holy Spirit so that uh, to equip the church to continue his ministry. And uh, he announced his ministry in Luke 4, that he was there to set the captives free, heal the brokenhearted, uh, bring sight to the blind, etc., etc. And those signs are all signs that the kingdom of God has come Mm. and and, um, that the uh, kingdom of darkness is defeated. And... God's people have the authority and the spirit to continue that work of destroying the works of the devil. Val, let's hear from Edgar. Edgar, your thoughts on what Val is sharing? Yes. Uh, Yes, I think she's spot on. I mean, the Bible is very clear. But, you know, the problem for me and I I think for a lot of others is, you know, it's all in the Bible, but is it still happening today? And, you know, if you've grown up all of your church life and you haven't seen any of it, um, then, you know, just suddenly change thinking, even though it is in the Bible, it's, it's hard. Okay, Val from Mackay, thank you so much for your contribution today here on 2020. You can be a part of this conversation today. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. That's 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Dr. Edgar Mayer. He's a Lutheran pastor, founder of the Jesus Tent, where miracles and healings are common occurrences. He's been part of a national renewal movement in the Lutheran denomination. That's what's quite unusual about our conversation today. Uh, let me just ask you, Edgar, having pursued this line, uh, opening up your meetings to uh, opportunities where supernatural things happen uh, under yeah. the power of the Holy Spirit, what sort of objections, what sort of difficulties have you run into within your own denomination? Um, yes, within my own denomination. Um, <laughs> how shall I put it? No one has ever met me and said, uh, what you're preaching or doing is not in the Bible. And um, But, you know, it's not just Lutherans. There, there are other Christians as well. 
they say, yeah, well, it's in the Bible, but we still don't quite like it. And there's especially one miracle that um, is not so much liked. Ever since the last Sunday of 2009, we have a miracle occurring in our church where it, you know, it's a miracle. It looks like body glitter. So these gold sparkles appear on people's skin, mostly the hand, but it can be all, all, all over the body, in the face, in the ch- on the chest. And, you know, it, it may stay there for a while, and, and then you can't wash it off, and, and then it just disappears in God's time. That miracle came when I was preaching on the glory of God, and it never, dis- you know, it never disappeared. Um, it was very new to us, but I, I found out since that it's not a rare one. It's all over, I guess, the world. But, you know, people would say, oh, where is that in the Bible? And uh, that, that's a good question, but the Bible is very, very clear that not every miracle that God wants to do needs to have a precedent or uh, be written out in the Bible. Um, um, yeah, well, no, God well, is creative. He can do a new thing. We're talking miracles and signs and wonders this hour with Dr. Edgar Mayer from the Lutheran Church. He's a Lutheran pastor, founder of the Jesus Tents, where miracles and healings are common occurrences. Uh, Edgar, let's take another call. Let's hear from Mary in Victoria. Hello, Mary. Welcome along. Hi. Hi, Mary. What are your thoughts on what we're talking about today? Okay. I'm representing a small group of us. We're all born-again believers. None of us speak in tongues, but we've come to realise after looking in the scriptures that they talks about this baptism in the Spirit and speaking in tongues. We want to know how you get this baptism and is that still for Christians today? Because we don't know how to get this. We've asked and we thought and we still don't know. Okay, well, let's hear from Edgar. Your thoughts on this uh, speaking in tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit from a listener, uh, Edgar, who uh, wants to know some more about this. Yeah. Well, it, it definitely still happens. It's, um, it's promised in the scriptures, and, and the promise never been cancelled. And um, I guess in and the, the gift of tongues, I guess in my own limited experience now over the last few years, it's not a rare gift at all. So probably in my experience or our church's experience, most people that want it eventually get it. Um, so... Don't make it a hard and fast rule, but it's definitely encouragement to keep searching and being open for it. Um, I probably found, uh, you know, you can wait for it and, and all those things, but I found it really helpful if if I wanted a spiritual gift or something of the Spirit, uh, I would go to places where they already have it, because it, according to the Bible, we can impart spiritual gifts to one another. So um, that's what I've been Seeking. I, I went to different places, different pastors, and asked them to lay hands on me so that I would receive. Mary, if I can ask you about your group. I mean, you've been talking about this, uh, thinking about it. Uh, is uh, how do you pursue that? And I guess that's the, sort of the question you're asking. But what have you, what have you done to uh, pursue an answer to this quest? Um, we've asked for prayer from others, and mm. some people get it, and we still don't. <laughs> Which is <laughs> really frustrating. We've sought the Lord. We've asked the Lord. We've asked Him if we've done something that we need to fix up. Yeah, you know, we, all those sorts of things. But He seems seems like the most elusive little fellow. This Holy Spirit and this speaking in tongues. I don't know. I don't get it. I know we desire it because there's an intimacy and a freedom you can have in your yeah. prayer life with God that you just can't have 
you know, without that, I think. And I used to think it was only for some people, but I think, I think it's for all people, all Christians. Yes. So, yeah, I, I guess we just keep asking and seeking, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Okay, Mary from Victoria, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. Let me just uh, hit you with an objection or two here. Uh, yeah. Listeners can call in and they can talk about their own uh, thoughts, but uh, some people will say that uh, those who speak in tongues have experienced this baptism of the Holy Spirit. There uh, comes upon them not only uh, this sort of uh, speaking in tongues, but also a certain level of arrogance uh, which sometimes makes them look as though they're trying to be a little bit holier than uh, everyone else. Uh, uh, there's a sort of a division that can can creep in there. What are your thoughts on that, Edgar? Um, yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, it's even in the Bible, um, there's a very spiritual church, the Corinthians, and they were very proud of their um, spiritual gifts to such an extent that the Apostle Paul needed to tell them Look, it's the way of love. You know, everyone knows something and is puffed up and may, may be able to do something, but it's love that builds one another up. I probably always, you know, uh, if I want to be cheeky, I, I would say that we manage to be quite proud of, you know, doctrinal knowledge and church heritage and everything else without the Holy Spirit. So pride is not actually a foreign thing. Okay, so it's not one side uh, being arrogant, it's actually every side if you don't have the right attitude of heart. That's right. Okay, all right. That's right. Uh, now, don't want our conversation today to be completely hijacked by uh, a sideline conversation on the speaking in tongues, and we might yeah. be able to do something on another day. But let's get our focus back onto the issue of miracles, healings, signs and wonders, uh, because oftentimes when we're talking about uh, the miracles and the healings, they get grouped together because we're actually talking about physical manifestation of the power of God when there has been the preaching of the gospel and someone perhaps comes forward or they don't even come forward at all but they experience a healing right there in the meeting. How common is this, Edgar, that people are actually receiving levels of healing in their bodies uh, just in the middle of the meeting? Um, That's very common. Um, especially when we do the outreach, the Jesus tent, you know, God clearly called us to do it. And he seems to love the tent. Inside the tent, there's so much happening. And very often the people actually don't come forward for the prayer line. You know, just uh, last year we had an, uh, an older gentleman, a uh, really solid member of the Anglican Church, I guess very conservative, but his eyes got healed while he was at the tent to the extent that he could read the screen again and sing along. And then, you know, he just naturally gives the testimony. And when he gives the testimony, it builds faith in others in that community and more things are happening. Um, Healing is very common when people come forward. And, uh, you know, sometimes people come forward because it's the last resort. They're not even actually believing in it that much, but you know, no doctor could help, nothing else could help. So they come forward and they receive a healing and then it changes their mind. Um, you know, it leads to repentance, to come into agreement with what the Bible says and a new humility and uh, embracing of Jesus. And in your Jesus tents, which are really public rallies, you're inviting, yeah. uh, in, and you want, obviously Christians are probably the, the core people who come, but you want them 
them to invite non-Christians yes. uh, with no previous knowledge uh, to experience God in yes. the meeting. Now, yes. this idea of experiencing God, some people will try and get that into a context, and I often t- try and think of context, uh, yes. where I think of the experiences that we have in God. It's like the icing on the cake. Yes. Uh, perhaps not the most important thing about having faith in God, a faith in following Jesus Christ, uh, because uh, those things are a little detached sometimes from the salvation message by God's grace yeah. saved through faith. Uh, yeah. How do you talk about the context of, of what happens with these miracles and the experience that people have? Um, I mean, the, okay, you've got to unpack your question. I mean, in the Jesus tent, the focus is squarely on Jesus and the cross and the forgiveness of sins. So I'm not actually preaching on miracles or healings. Um, they do happen. We invite people forward for prayer, and then we pray for all sorts of things. But, you know, it, it is encouraging faith in Jesus for salvation. And, um, you know, I, I would say, according to the Bible, you cannot be a Christian, um, certainly not an Orthodox, faithful, uh, Bible-believing Christian, without God giving you an experience of his reality, because you cannot think your way into Christianity. You, um, the human mind cannot grasp it. So unless God reveals it to you and gives you an experience by the Holy Spirit so that you understand and that you know that Jesus is alive, you haven't got a chance to get there. So you need an experience. And then I would say to be able to live as a Christian, the most, ex- most important experience, the one that I treasure the most is, that God talks to me. You know, if, if I want to live a life in His will, He's got to guide me, and I've got to hear Him, and I've got to hear His words to me. You know, is it a word of correction? Is it a word of encouragement? Um, in order to have a relationship with Him, and not just intellectual knowledge, I need to hear His voice. And according to the Bible, that's an experience that He loves to give to us. Oftentimes on this program, we'll be talking about having an encounter with Jesus Christ. And uh, you've just described the way that can happen and the importance of that encounter in people's lives. Miracles and healings, the topic of conversation today here on 2020. It's Neil with you, our guest, Dr. Edgar Mayer, Lutheran pastor, founder of the Jesus Tent. He's an author. His first book is called Surprised by the Holy Spirit. He's got another book that's due out anytime soon called Surprised by Miracles. In fact, it's at the printers. Uh, At the printers, Edgar, how soon will people be able to get a hold of your new book? Yeah. Um, Three, four weeks. Three or four weeks. Yeah. Look, we're taking calls. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Emmanuel in Perth. Hello, Emmanuel. Welcome along. Hi, guys. How are you going? Very good. What are your thoughts on our discussion today, Emmanuel? Um, yeah, I was, just in, in the, um, I was just thinking about healing, and um, I've been prayed for, for healing for my back before, but um, it hasn't, I've been praying for, for a while and hasn't really happened. Why does God allow healing for some people, yet not others, but still um, I have... I have faith that my back will be healed, that other people might not have as much as much faith that some healing will occur. 
Edgar, your thoughts on uh, why uh, Emmanuel might not have received uh, a healing and perhaps the broader question of why do some people get healed and others don't? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big question. Uh, I probably would say um, just a really important point for myself. Not everyone that I pray for gets healed. You know, the healing's happening all the time, but not everyone. And... Um, I've learned to avoid to come under condemnation. You know, that's very easy to say, oh, this one didn't get healed because I didn't have enough faith or because of this, you know, it didn't quite happen. Um, I, I probably, you know, I, I keep believing that God is always good and God always loves me. And I see myself as this child of God, the son of God that is just growing up, is growing in the ministry and keeps asking God for the things that are on his heart and has permission to do so. So I guess in your particular case, you know, I don't know why God hasn't healed the back yet. Um, you know, you could investigate, but, you know, um, you may not necessarily arrive at an answer. Um, but, you know, I would encourage, you know, I would encourage you not to look to yourself and, you know, just blame yourself that the healing hasn't happened yet. I would just encourage you to keep asking and praying and praising God in the process. Emmanuel from Perth, thanks so much for being part of 2020 today. I guess what you're saying in some of that, uh, Edgar, is uh, our faith is in God. It's not in our own faith or yeah. the faith of others. Our faith yeah. is truly in God himself. Yes, yeah. Uh, let's hear from Jim in Bowen in North Queensland. Hello, Jim. Welcome along to 2020. G'day there, how are you? Good, Jim. What are your thoughts on our discussion today? Ah, well, I tell you, my, my feelings are very mixed. I feel for Emmanuel because uh, I've been in the situation and uh, people with the, the thought pattern of uh, Edgar, mm. um, gifts and healings, often can be very harsh on people about the, the, the level of their faith in regards to healing, I mean, I used to cop at hammer and tongs. Mm. Lucky for, well, not lucky for me. I was very fortunate through the grace of God that he did bring some healing in my life. Yeah. But there was a comment before, and I forgot the context of it, but um, I, it's about having to have an experience to know that you've got salvation. Oh, a uh, bit of a tricky one. I, I would have to say that I totally disagree with that because in Acts 2.38, when Paul Peter preached his sermon, he said simply, believe yeah. in the Word of God, be baptized, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit on confession of that faith. He didn't say there's going to be a, there's going to be a barrage of signs and wonders to follow that. He said, this is how simple it is. Mm. Trust in me. Mm. And I think we're studying as a Christian church. We're losing sight of that. You know, there's there's no always bells and whistles attached to someone coming to faith in Christ. It's no, simply yeah. that, that faith. Edgar, your further thoughts on what Jim from Bowen is sharing? Um, yes. I mean, God is very creative. Not everyone comes to faith in the same way. Um but, you know, everyone that is seeking, somehow God must communicate. 
And, you know, for, for some, a healing is a major eye-opener. Man, you know, God is in this place. Um, others, you know, they get filled with the Holy Spirit and they start, you know, praising God and the heart gets filled. Um, I've had some cases where, you know, young people, they may just sit there and in the tent and they, they're just wondering, God, are you real? And God just, he gives them a wave of his love a supernatural a taste of his love so that they know and then they realize man it's true Jesus is alive and Jesus loves me but something needs to happen you know maybe some you know can be like John Wesley you know the heart gets strangely warmed and it's very low-key but that doesn't matter as, as long as uh, there is an experience of God and we know that he's real Jim from Bowen, thanks so much for your input. It's as though uh, what you're saying, if I'm making sense of uh, what Jim's saying and uh, and weighing in there your mm. thoughts, Edgar, what mm. you're saying is uh, it's not a mechanical process, no. your salvation. Uh, mm. And when we talk about the experience, uh, bells and whistles, flashing lights, uh, it's not so much about the experience as it is, as you say, and uh, reflecting on John Wesley, the idea of uh, the warming of the heart. There is an encounter with Jesus Christ on that moment when we first believe. Yeah. Okay, let's continue to take some calls. Margaret is in Bunbury in WA. Hello, Margaret. Welcome along. Hi. Um, look, I've got a few things to say, and I hope I um, yeah, can get through, get through it without offending anyone too. In refer- uh, reference to Mary, who was saying she felt like less of a Christian because she didn't have the gift of tongues, uh, I would like to comment that I myself am in that category in that I've been a Christian over 40 years, <clears throat> have prayed many times <clears throat> on my own and with others, have had the laying on of hands and have not received this gift. A lot of pressure was put on to say that I was not a Christian because I didn't have the gift. Finally, I decided <clears throat> to seek out what the Bible actually says about this. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit, number one, you can't confess Jesus as Lord. Yes. Um, Another thing, we need to seek God, not the gifts. Yeah. It's the fruit of the Spirit that is the evidence of God at work in our lives. It's not speaking in tongues. Yeah. Um, I went through a lot of pressure with a lady in town at one time who was, you know, putting that line on me that I was not a Christian because I didn't have this gift. And uh, I contacted a former pastor of mine in Perth who used to preach against it, and I had heard that he now spoke in tongues himself. And he was a wonderful help to me. And one of the things he said is he didn't seek the gift. God gave him that gift through prayer. God is sovereign, and he gives his gifts to whom he chooses. He reminded me of uh, Paul saying, do all speak in tongues? Do yeah. we have the gifts of teaching? Da da da. No, we yeah. all have different gifts. Yeah. Okay, let's hear from Edgar. Edgar, your thoughts on uh, on what Margaret from Bunbury is sharing? Oh, there's much that I agree with in that. Um, um, yes, and especially to um, to say that if you don't have a particular gift, then you're not a Christian. That would uh, it would never be my position. Of course, everyone that confesses Jesus Christ you know, does so because they have the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it's not possible. Um, I would say that the Bible says, you know, we have permission to eagerly desire gifts. So, and uh, 
but you know joyfully seeking God joyfully not coming under condemnation that somehow I'm a lesser Christian or deficient in any way um, I just read the other day that in Carlos Anaconda that is a, just an amazing city evangelist in Argentina filled stadiums a very powerful ministry they have a deliverance tent 70 meter long 18 meter wide where people get in there that you know show uh, signs of demonic manifestations and the guy that is heading the tent he appointed that guy because he moved in such authority and love and power um, he appointed that guy but he wasn't speaking in tongues yet or you know he certainly wasn't speaking in tongues at that time and that was a huge offense in those circles because there were Pentecostals and all of them believed you can't be baptized with the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. But the head of the deliverance tent, you know, was definitely baptized with the Spirit but didn't speak in tongues. So, yeah, like you said before, you can't put God in a box. It's not mechanical. God is, God is eluding us, putting, you know, just having everything sorted out. And yes, some people, you know, they're filled with the Holy Spirit and they don't speak in tongues or have certain gifts, but uh, the, the experience of the Holy Spirit is real. And, you know, we can be joyful in that, trusting God. He will give us what we need at His time. Well, Margaret from Bunbury, thank you so much for your input today here on 2020. Let's hear from Lee in Camerwheel. Hello, Lee. Welcome along to 2020. How are you doing, Neil? Good. Lee, what are your thoughts? Uh I'm really uh, interested in the subject uh, that Dr. Edgar has brought up because uh, 31 years ago I was water baptised, began to speak in tongues and was part of a ministry which uh, had the gift of faith to reach out and help people in many many ways, including healing. And I've been blessed that even though I was just an evangelist at the time, I saw God answering prayer and healing blind eyes and deaf ears and many other beautiful things, and that's still happening today, 31 years later. Uh, However, (laughs) I've got a bit of a wish list, and uh, I just think that young man from Perth who called in with a bad back, don't give up, mate. I've got five things that I would like the Lord to do for me in the area of just physical healing. And one of your uh, contributors about two weeks ago, Neil, sort of, Picked a little box. She said that she decided that she just praise God in the midst of the challenges that she got, mm. and that might have referred me to uh, Job's story. And I think that that's exactly what he did. He had some yeah. challenges. He just continued to praise God. And this lady even said, "Thank God for the tests and thank God for the challenges." So mm. there's hope for us. <laughs> yeah. Don't give up. God's still on the throne, and He loves us. That's great, Lee. Edgar, your thoughts on Lee's uh, it's story? It's great words of encouragement, um, great words of trust and intimacy with God. I just uh, would underline that. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Well, talking miracles and healings today on 2020 and our guest, Dr. Edgar Mayer. And uh, Edgar, if I was reflecting on uh, some of the comments that have come through and uh, some of the concerns that people have over uh, this issue of baptism of the Holy Spirit, of speaking in tongues, of healings and things like that happening, it comes to this this issue of of if you stand in a particular position, you are highly likely to uh, either uh, offend others 
others because they come under some level of condemnation yeah. uh, because people in your uh, immediate group, uh, movement, uh, may be against what you might have discovered in your encounter with God. Uh, this is not new to you because, as we've said, you've come from a Lutheran tradition and you've, yeah. had, to, you've had to face all of those challenges. Yeah. Yes, and it took me a while to actually figure out what was happening, even in our own church. Um, let's say we were all new to this. You know, we had no healings. Nothing happened. But but then a few things happened, and so it opened my eyes to what was possible. And then I, I was feeding myself, and I, I, I exposed myself to other people that had amazing testimonies. You know, like we heard before, you know, the blind eyes open and the crippled walk and this and that happened. And I was sharing all these testimonies full of joy and excitement. And, you know, I thought that everyone would automatically join that excitement, but they didn't. A lot of them felt condemned because, yeah, it wasn't happening among ourselves yet. It wasn't happening in their lives. It was a bit alien to their experience of Christianity. And so they felt condemned. I got stirred up. And, and I got hungry for it because I was, you know, had the position, I, I'm a child of God, I'm loved by Him, and those testimonies give me a glimpse of what is available to Him. And it's, if it's available to those people, it's available to us. And so I got hungry. And I guess, I think this is the great secret of receiving more. Don't come under condemnation. Uh, just see yourself as, as a child of God, that is growing maturity, that is growing up. And, you know, we have grown in our faith. We have grown in miracles. We have grown in the things that God is doing. And it, but it's a joyful growth where there's a lot of joy and laughing and easiness and trusting God. It's not tense. It's not, you know, um, striving. It's just trusting God being on that journey where he takes us deep into his presence. Uh, there's been a lot of calls come through this hour, and there's a, there's a bunch here. I'm not sure we'll get time. Let's see if we can take some quick comments. Uh, mm. Mary in Bathurst. Uh, Mary, you need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Oh, hi. I was just going to say, look, as Christians, we have a, a great advantage over ones that do not have any sort of faith because we mm. can use things like um, crosses and tribulations and, and suffering and what we can do is give it back to God and mm. ask Him to work in these people. And it could be people around us that, that are not leading, a, you know, might be leading immoral life or, or they're corrupt or something, and ask God to work in them to bring them to know God. Um, and the young man that's got a back pain, God's given you a cross. Maybe sometimes when He gives you a cross, He's what what He's asking you is, will you carry it for me? Mm. And if he uses that and gives it back to God and says, look, all my pain that I'm feeling, I give it back to you for, you know, it might be a neighbor. It might be something. God will use that. And sometimes he also asks for them, for people to wait. Mm-hmm. He wants to see if they're in their heart, they are genuine, you know. That There's a, a faithfulness issue. Mary, I've got to say goodbye, but thank you so much for your input today. Time for one more call. Hello, Steve in Kalgoorlie in WA. Uh, very quick, Steve. Oh, yeah. Hi, Neil. Um, yes, so for uh, 12 and a half years, I uh, suffered uh, lower back pain. I uh, had an accident in a mine. Um, it was only uh, a, a couple of years ago where the Lord laid on my heart to uh, give a uh, donation to a uh, certain group. And um, within uh, two days of that, I was healed uh, completely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, uh, that uh, opens up a whole big, broad, new uh, discussion, but we haven't got time to get right into it. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Steve, from Kalgoorlie. For your, uh, any thoughts on what Steve's sharing there, Edgar? Um, I believe it. I believe the testimony. I mean, there's so many varied stories that I don't know the context, but you know, I know sometimes, you know, people get healed of certain things once they forgive someone, or you know, there's just a, a certain blockage or. Something that God points out, and is, and then as people repent, come on board with that, you know, it just opens the door for healing. There's so so many different stories in different ways. And when I say uh, there may be a whole big new discussion, uh, the idea of giving a donation, uh, and I don't know that uh, we ought to be connecting donations with healing, yeah. although, as you say, uh, sometimes when there is a repentance, when there is a forgiveness, yeah. uh, that may be associated with it. Thank you so much, Steve, from Kalgoorlie. Uh, time is running out. Dr. Edgar Mayer, our guest, Lutheran pastor, founder of the Jesus Tent. Here's how you can find some more detail about Edgar. You can find detail at Lutheran renewal.org.au You can also uh, visit the website of Edgar's Church which is in Toowoomba in Queensland livinggracetoowoomba.org and uh, you can simply Google Edgar Mayer and keep an eye out for his new book that's coming out very soon Surprised by Miracles Edgar, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020 Thank you Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.